Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, and welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another look at the world of aquariums from a maybe a slightly different perspective. Today, I wanted to talk about something that uh, it comes up every once in a while. It kind of one of those things I question. We all probably question it, actually, but it's something that I've been thinking about uh, lately in light of, uh, you know, working with fishes in my aquariums and getting more uh, fishes. I've been exposed to more uh, people at fish stores and customers and so forth and, and talking to people. And I sort of get this, uh, this vibe that I want to talk about. I freely admit that I can be easily annoyed at times. And it's kind of funny to see what stuff, you know, discussed in our hobby can really set me off. It typically happens when I'm scouring some fishkeeping forums as part of my like daily ritual like we all do. And I come across some sort of discussion that demonstrates the sort of strange indifferences we tend to demonstrate towards aquatic animals at times. Like I said, this is on my mind because I've been doing some fish shopping lately. So it's fun to frequent forums and see what people are up to. Not long ago, I came across a few threads on uh, a hobby forum, which will remain nameless, <laughs> in which some newer hobbyists were asking that age-old question, what are the best fishes to eat algae and, and keep my tank clean? And, you know, what's a good, I hate this term, cleanup crew for my community tank? I mean, innocent enough, right? I mean, really not that big a deal, right? Well, this is a question that in my ripe old age makes me a little bit perturbed, actually. Actually, it really pisses me off sometimes because there's such an inconsistency here. In fact, it gets me riled up, as you'd imagine. (laughs) So I think there should be a lot of other things about this hobby that get under my skin, but this one sort of does it to me for some reason. I have no idea why. I mean, here we are in the 21st century with every technological advantage possible, devices, techniques, and methodologies designed to maintain pristine water quality and super beautiful aquariums, and we're still sort of deferring the maintenance duties to fishes and other animals. Seems kind of weird. Makes you think a little bit. Now, I get it. I mean, it's nice to have friends in the fight, as they say. But I think we lean a bit too much on various animals to perform some of the roles that we need to have a better grasp of. And I think this is in stark contrast to setting up an aquarium which accommodates the specific needs of certain fishes or animals. We'll get back to that idea in a bit. The irony here is that we've given these animals duties or roles in our aquariums, but in reality, they're simply behaving as they've done in the wild for eons. We're assigning a role to their existence based on our needs. Weird, huh? I mean, kind of arrogantly presumptive, at least. Okay, I can see there's a few people that are going to say, Fellman, you're being sort of hypocritical in your arguments here. I mean, well, perhaps I'd, you know, but I'd love to see us look at this, like, from a slightly different perspective. There's a lot of animals which are selected by us hobbyists for this role in our aquariums. Most are of debatable value in consuming things that we don't want in our tanks. Others are without debate perfectly suited for what we want them to do. Some arrive in our tanks from plants or driftwood from other aquariums as sort of hitchhikers in a decidedly natural manner without our intervention. Others are deliberately added to our aquariums as part of what we think are necessary cleanup crews. Again, I hate that term. I don't know why. 
<laughs> the composition of these so-called cleanup crews is a pretty well-discussed topic. You know, we as a hobby have dutifully assembled rosters of animals that we feel will do the job at removing the stuff we don't want in our tanks, like, you know, algae, uneaten food, and detritus. And don't even start me on detritus. You know how I feel about that shit. Everyone has their opinions of what animals are best. Did you hear me take a deep breath? Because I have to take a deep breath to keep talking about this. But everybody has a, you know their own opinion of what's best and you should have X number of these per gallon or liter or some other nonsense. I think it's absurd. I mean, really, who's done studies on how much algae an individual snail will consume in nature? Yet we as vendors and hobbyists come up with these exotic formulae based on, on what? And how much algae can support X number of snails in an aquarium and for how long? At some point, food supplies will be exhausted with large population of these animals in residence, right? And then what? I mean, if I were a snail, I wouldn't want to share my 30-gallon tank with 15 other hungry neighbors. I just want the space for myself or maybe a few friends of the opposite sex. You know, more food, more fun. I mean, if you can call a snail's life fun, that is. Now, yeah, it's a bit more of an art than a science, and no one really has the perfect answer. And sure, I sell fish stuff for a living, so who am I to make, you know, such assertions and proffer my criticisms? Well, at the end of the day, I'm just another hobbyist asking questions. We've discussed this before, but it, it comes up so often that I think it's kind of fun to look at. It's a pretty common thing in the reef aquarium world where you see vendors selling packages of snails, crabs, shrimp, and even starfishes as so-called cleanup crews. Again, that term makes me want to vomit for some reason. <laughs> it just does. At first, it seems innocent, but beneath that shiny veneer, it's actually kind of dark and rather sad. We consider these animals sort of disposable and even temporary commodities and we use them for cleaning services until we have no more algae or detritus or uneaten food or whatever it is that we don't like in our tanks and then if they live great if they perish well we can always get more they're only you know a few dollars right yuck that makes me feel bad yet i see this in the reef world all the time recommendations for a large number of animals when you start like brittle stars to handle detritus Again, one of the big problems I have with some of the more traditional detritivers and cleanup crew members is that they're often animals that consume detritus as part of their diet and make a greater part of their diet micro and macro fauna that you're so carefully trying to cultivate for your biodiversity and nutrient export processes. Oops. To make matters worse, hobbyists are often advised to keep you know, large numbers of these animals in their reef aquariums, which assures not only will they decimate your beneficial infauna, but they'll probably slowly starve to death as a result of their own efficiency. I mean, brittle stars and some of the snails we use are good at getting detritus, but if part of what they are consuming is animals that you want in your systems, particularly your sand bed, then it's a considerable trade-off, isn't it? It's no different in freshwater, really. I mean, the cast of characters is slightly different, but that's about it. The mission that we've assigned these animals is the same. It's all about eliminating algae and detritus in what we consider a natural way. Let's talk about the apparent dreaded enemy of, our, of clean tanks, detritus. I know we've talked about it before. But detritus, or detritus as one of my local reefer friends, annoyingly refers to this. He, he has so many malpropisms and mispronunciations, it's really funny. But detritus is my favorite. It's a great scientific-sounding catch-all term for stuff that accumulates in your rock and sand and under the wood. Mainly, it's partially decomposed or uneaten food, mucus, fish waste, mineralized botanicals in our case, etc. The working definition is non-living organic material, or more properly, organic-rich particulate material. 
Although it's continuously broken down by microorganisms in a typical healthy established aquarium, some of these materials are not completely consumed by these lower organisms, and they can be at least initially worked over by detritivorous animals and fishes. Is it bad? Well, yes and no. I mean, if these materials in the detritus continue to break down, they could probably create less hygienic conditions in a closed system or provide fuel for nuisance algae growth. However, and we've talked about this before, if you embrace it and view it as a supplemental food source for your animals, which it is, it doesn't seem all that bad, right? When we've talked about deep leaf litter beds as a possible means for cultivating supplemental foods in our, for our fishes, and we've even experimented with inoculating these beds with you know, animals like worms and such, it's not so scary. Fungal and bacterial growth acts on it, and then it serves as a supplemental food source for many fishes in our aquariums. Perhaps detritus is a fuel for kickstarting our closed ecosystems. I'm going to talk more about this in the future, and I'm, I'm thinking detritus has some potential good uses for us as aquarists. I know that absolutely sounds insane, but it's not so crazy, and I think we haven't heard the last of this, so that's it for now. But, you know, if we look at it scientifically, uh, based on a lot of the field studies I've read, it's a pretty safe bet that many of the fishes of just about every type will consume this stuff as part of their diets. I read these gut content analyses and, you know, from these population studies and various habitats I'm interested in, and, like, almost inevitably, every single fish eats detritus as some part of their diet. So when we assign a fish to the exclusive role of detritus cleaner, it's probably a bit, well, arrogant on our part. Like what, they're supposed to ignore all the good stuff, you know, the brine shrimp and the worms and the pellets and all that stuff that you feed the other fishes and all they're going to do is just simply subsist on the detritus alone? This is, I suppose, where I admit that my argument gets a bit weaker. I mean, probably it gets a little weird. But, you know, what about algae and those snails that we employ to take it out? We love to add snails, right? At least they're cool for a while until, of course, they multiply. And a lot of these snails will reproduce along the way, sometimes creating these large populations. Then what do we do? Oh, we purchase assassin snails to take them out. So we're using another animal in a limited role to solve a problem that we sort of created in the first place by using a different animal for a limited role. That's bizarre. Again, I'm probably getting a little crazy out of here, but it's weird. So when I see people asking about fishes as a designated algae eater, I tend to get that familiar, uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, a lot of fishes love eating algae, but I think we need to look at them for what they are. Cool little fishes, like Otocinculus catfish, those come to mind. Cool little fishes that are interesting and enjoyable in their own right, which just happen to consume algae as a big part of their diet. Not animals that we should stock in our tanks strictly for the purposes of taking it all out. Have you ever kept a tank of uh, Otocinculus to actually keep them as Otocinculus? They're fascinating animals. They're really interesting fishes. They're curious. They have personality. If you feed them and ha or have a tank that is designed to accommodate their needs and don't assign them this role of cleaner, they're really, really interesting. Now, fortunately, many of us have sort of grown out of this stereotyping thing for fishes. I mean, when I was, you know looking at this objectively, I see that we don't see it quite as much as we used to, but it still comes up. I mean, when was the last time a serious hobbyist purchased a Placustomus strictly as an algae eater for their community aquarium? So you've seen, so there's some evolutions here. Or what about a Corydorus as a scavenger? When I was a kid, that was the thing. Everything was, you know, these fishes are scavengers. They're, they're absolutely not scavengers, especially when you're paying $30 a specimen for some of these varieties, right? They're not scavengers. On the other hand, it's not totally uncommon to see this thinking perpetuated in the general hobby arena. Catfish equals scavenger in a lot of people's heads. 
Try running that idea by one of the many hardcore loricarid fanciers out there who collect, keep, and breed these amazing fishes regularly. I don't think that'll go over all that well. You'd probably be better off spending your time learning how closed aquatic ecosystems work and how algae appear based on a set of characteristics which arise to facilitate their growth. It's kind of similar to a lot of things in our aquarium world. There's a cause and effect thing here. So really relegating you know, these little fishes to scavengers who are in our tanks solely for the purpose of keeping our tanks clean is really a little out there. Really, in fact, it's unthinkable to a lot of dedicated hobbyists. People set up entire fish rooms to keep these fishes in optimum environments. Entire collections are comprised of, you know, many beautiful plecos and, chlor- and coris out there. So I suppose it's understandable that we make up a role for them, and it's kind of our own fault. We feel good about using natural controls for problems, and I think that's great. There's something there, but we also tend to look at the fact that it's really, we, you know, that it's really our responsibility to keep the tank clean. I think I just said it, it. we tend to look at it that it is. We forget to look at it that it is. Sometimes even early in the morning, I, you know, I, I just can't turn it on all the time. As much as I get enraged, I still strip up on myself. <laughs> now, we can enlist the help of animals who are known to consume algae and uneaten food and detritus, but personally, I don't think we should make it the only reason for any fish's inclusion in our aquarium as one of a cleanup crew member. I just don't. Back to snails again. This is kind of like a tennis match, right? I'm going back and forth. If you do incorporate snails into your aquariums for this purpose, and I suppose that you should, I say start really small, like adding just a scant few, like like two in a big tank. Just because the experts or vendors recommend X per gallon or liter doesn't mean that it's an appropriate stocking level. Remember, these animals need to eat. That's about all they do. And if they exhaust their food supply, they'll perish, plain and simple. They'll multiply if they're happy, which you may or may not like, and if the food sources are sufficient. So why not start off with just a few? Really, I mean, if the thought of introducing new algae-covered rocks and wood in your tank just to feed your large population of snails after they've exhausted the available food supply doesn't appeal to you, then stock with just a few to start and see how they do. Or, better idea, just get really good at taking the stuff out yourself. Or learn to appreciate the stuff like detritus. Yeah. As we've talked about here, you can always learn to embrace biofilms, algae, and fungal growths for what they are. Some of nature's most efficient processors of biological material. Now, it's not quite as easy or sexy or fun as buying a dozen odos or 20 snails, but perhaps far better suited for the role. Okay, I can see some smart-ass reader railing on me as a hypocrite for postulating that we assign a nutrient export duty to fungi and bacteria. Don't even start with me. Don't start. But really, let's make the effort to continue to teach new hobbyists the value of proper husbandry, the basic skills required to identify problems before they start, and concerns and ongoing maintenance requirements that are required to keep our aquariums running. Understanding how attempting to recreate a more natural functioning environment and how these environments have the ability to utilize nutrients and food inputs is a really fascinating endeavor. And I think our botanical style aquariums are a great place to start. Water changes, algaes, you know, scraping, feeding carefully, all those things are more important than ever. We just can't rely solely on a piece of equipment or an animal to do our jobs for us. So sure, it's okay to incorporate these animals into your stocking plan. I get it, and, and we all do. But be reasonable and humane in your assumptions. Treat them like the treasured living creatures that they are, and they really are. Some of these animals are coming from environments that are, you know, they perform a pivotal role, and when we take them out of those environments that are endangered, 
becomes problematic. Many are bred in, in captivity, and I get that. But again, um, it kind of reminds me of veal. <laughs> I don't know why. Veal is, well, I don't want to start with my, my anti-veal thing. But anyway, that's what it reminds me of. Play an active role in the process of maintaining your tanks. Don't outsource it all to the fishes or you know snails or whatever. It's our responsibility to take the initiative and to perfect these skills. It's not our fish's job. And that's for the benefit of everyone. So stay compassionate, stay thoughtful, stay curious, stay empathetic, stay diligent, stay engaged, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tenet Aquatics. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next time on next installment of The Tint.